Happy holidays. I don't know what do you what do you say after Christmas? Happy New Year? Is that what we do? My name's Tim. It's good to have you with us. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. Um, if you're visiting with us or if you're a guest here, hey, we're glad you came and came to worship with us. We hope you'll leave here encouraged and uh, better because of that. We believe uh, that um, the the Christ is a a bridge to a better life, and so that's what we try to promote here uh, here at Greater Alton. Uh, also, in your bulletin, you're probably going to notice a couple of things. Uh, the, in the, I think the back of next year is here. I've got the right phone number. If you've been calling somebody named Gladys, we're sorry about that. <laughs> and she uh, is not happy. So, ruined her holidays. Now, uh, uh, Rhonda's correct phone number is in there now. If you're wanting to... Uh, we're going to be here next Sunday night. We will have regular services during the day. But Sunday night, we're going to be having a celebration with a meal and we're going to have a potluck, so uh, if you want to know what to bring and you'd like to help, uh, just contact uh, Rhonda. Rhonda, are you here anywhere? There's Rhonda. Sarah. Oh. <laughs> Rhonda's in charge of the food. You better applaud. Okay, so. But uh, uh, let her know what, and I think you've got a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center, am I correct, as well? I saw that, too, if you'd like to jot something down. That way she can organize it. That way we don't have too many desserts. Don Yoder would love that, but the rest of us might want to have some meat and potatoes or something like that along with the rest of the meal. That's going to be going on next Sunday. Can you believe that this year has went by so quickly? Um, you know, it's, last week we had uh, our Christmas program here, our services, a Sunday night. I didn't know how that was going to turn out. I was a little uneasy. Preachers get nervous when you cancel the morning services and you think, will everybody show up? And will they be here, you know, that night? And sure enough, the place was packed. And uh, and Coral uh, wants wants you to know she uh, everybody that was involved, whether it be the decorating, the acting, you know, or or lighting. We had people doing spotlights and sound, all coordinating that. Uh, she wrote this program together and wrote it quickly together. I, I normally give people only a few days to get ready, and and so when I contacted her, she said, "Oh, I'd love to tackle that." And um, it was a great, great turnout. Thank you for bringing. She just wants you to know, thank you. Everybody that was involved in it, thank you so much. Uh, you know, there's something, yeah, yeah, praise God. You know, it, it was a very positive evening, and, uh, and to see the place packed, it really uh, brought joy to my heart to see that. And, uh, and to have uh, Brian Christos as King Herod, I mean, what better evening? I mean, he was a perfect King Herod, I thought. Yeah, did a good job. Kids were great, too. Um, but now it's after Christmas. And if you'll notice your bulletin cover, it kind of says it all, doesn't it? You got that burnout light bulb. It's after Christmas. What do you do? You try to relax. But then there's this day they call Boxing Day. Is that what it's called? I thought it was... You know, okay, we're going to see stuff on ESPN, you know, the classics. Ollie Frazier, you know, things like that. No, this is a tradition that goes back in England where you don't throw your boxes out. You're actually, it's a whole different thing. And I notice it, it seems like Christmas, though it's lasting or getting earlier and earlier, I mean, right after Halloween, I begin to see Christmas lights. I mean, on houses, too. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. And now... Christmas, it's, it seems like it's even inching after the 25th. Have you noticed that? I was driving home Friday night. You know, it's the day after Christmas. My wife and I are coming home late at night. She's sleeping. 
I'm trying to stay awake. We're coming home, going down I-64, and a three-hour drive, and I'm just surfing the radio stations. What used to be filled with Christmas now is back to rock and rap and whatever, oldies, goodies, you know. But then there's this one station still playing the Christmas tunes. thought they're gutsy. Think about it. Now, after Christmas, and they're still playing 24 hours of Christmas music. Is it possible that Christmas is now run out of room before, and now it's going to try to inch forward? And now we have Christmas sales. Anybody shop after Christmas? Of course you're going to admit that. Wonderful. One out of, one out of four of you are going to take something back. Have you taken anything back yet? I saw a cartoon, I kid you not, it had this guy, this young fellow, he had a wad of cash, and, he, and it, the caption says, thank you, Uncle So-and-so, for that coffee maker I didn't need. Thank you, Aunt Harriet, for this, whatever that was. And he has all the cash, he's returned it all, see. Now he's going to celebrate Christmas. Even Christmas lights. You know, I, I've just found out, I was talking to a couple of people at the first service, and uh I was told one guy, he saw his neighbor taking the Christmas lights down in a most unusual way. He'd wrap himself like this and then go, and he'd yank him off and wrap himself somewhere like he was upset. I, I listened to uh, someone told me they've already taken their Christmas lights down. Are you kidding me? Christmas is over. Right? How many of you still have your Christmas lights up? Now, are we lazy or is it we just like to keep celebrating? You use that excuse too, yeah. I still have, how many of you are celebrating Christmas with somebody of your family after Christmas? Now we are. Next, this weekend we're having the gills over and we're celebrating next year. Christmas this year. Christmas is lasting longer. Now there's a couple of things that I think are interesting about Christmas and what I've learned when you read about Christmas. In fact, if you want to, I don't know if you've got the, if your notes, I don't think your notes has this passage. Let me read this to you. I just noticed that Christmas seems to be now lasting a little longer, and that's kind of encouraging. Haven't anybody ever said this to you? I always feel Christmas should last all year long. I'm reading a book right now that is called 52 Little Lessons from It's a Wonderful Life. I highly recommend it. It's it's incredible. I, I'm 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 It's a Wonderful Life movie fan, number one fan. And you probably how many of you know, like that movie? You know what I'm saying? Talking about oh, it's just it's got lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson. And I'm reading this book. Uh, it's one lesson per week, so you can enjoy It's a Wonderful Life all year long. Thank you. It's right down my alley. And it's a way of making Christmas last all year. And if you read the, the Christmas story, we, 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 we get the Mary and, and Joseph and Jesus in a manger and the shepherds, and we saw that uh, just last week. But the story doesn't stop. It, it even goes after Christmas Day. Here in Matthew 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. If you've got a Bible, you can read along. And here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It says after he was born, in other words. Well, how long ago? This could be two years later. Two years later. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod call, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen then rose, uh, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over to the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, no manger, no inn. On coming to the house, they saw the child. It's not a baby. It's a child now, so we know it's been a, been a while. With his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I'm reminded of James Taylor, home by another way. And there's a great line, maybe me and you can be wise guys too and go home by another way. And sure enough, that's what we see. This, this, this part of the Christmas story that's traditionally been in all these Christmas stories. We even have mangers with the wise men at the, at the manger. Or if you go to Our Ladies of the Snows, you see three wise men on camels at the entrance of this display over by Belleville. And so we include this in the story, but if you read carefully, you find that this is happening after Jesus, the, after the day, after Jesus was born. In fact, it's possibly anywhere between a few months to two years. We get the idea of two years because Herod... He executes or, or covertly works under the radar and has all the, the male children, two years and younger, born in Bethlehem. That's between 7 to 20 baby boys were killed. You say, I thought it was a whole bunch of kids. Does it have to be a bunch? I mean, that's awful. And it's under the radar that he does this covertly, hoping to squelch this king of the Jews that's supposed to be coming. And, and he doesn't want... There's no room in his life for another king. But it says that these wise men come along, and it says they come to this house where this child is. And what we learn, there's a couple of things I learned from this passage that I want to tell you after Christmas. The first thing is I notice is Christmas isn't a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. We, we, we call it, you know, we say happy holidays, and the holidays are over when you know, after that last gift is unwrapped. I get kind of melancholy. I even woke up this morning kind of, you know, just, uh, it's after Christmas. Yesterday, you know, I'm working on this sermon, and I get done, and, and I'm just worn out. And I'm trying to figure out why am I worn out. Well, I ate too much, and I was running around too much. And it's a very exciting, emotionally exciting time, season, and now it's over. That's how you feel. Sometimes you, you're like, man, I can't wait till the day after Christmas because that's when I can rest from all the crazies that's been going on since Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. 
But I want you to see is that, that Christmas, though we traditionally see it as here and then gone, Christmas in the Bible isn't a one-time event. It's not a day. This thing lasted, for, at least in the wise men's lives, for two years. It was more than a day. It, it kept going for them. You see, Christmas is the second thing I noticed. Christmas is the beginning of something eternal. It's the beginning of something that's to last. It's designed to change you and I. It's designed to have an impact on the rest of our life. And so you may have put away the Christmas lights and the Tupperware containers and got them stuffed in up in the garage or in the attic somewhere. Or maybe you've taken all the boxes and the tree's already coming down or your plans this week are to take it all down. That may be true. You're celebrating the day. The Christmas season is not over after Christmas. Christ came to change eternity. Think about that. I mean, he changed time, how we refer it, before Christ, B.C. and A.D. It's his birth, and it's all of a sudden this whole different way of living, this whole different way of life is available to you and I now because of Christmas. Now, I want you to see something. Here's a passage, a transition passage I found in Ephesians 5. It says this, So be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. He said you need to live wisely, like a wise man. So what can I do? What can I learn from these wise men? What did they do after Christmas? There are things you and I can do. Not to make the season last forever, but to let this holiday that comes and goes every year have an eternal impact on the rest of our life. What can I do to live wisely after Christmas? Well, like the wise men, I can, I can start finding ways to get closer to Jesus. Why is Christmas tagged at the end of our year? Why is it, why is it at the at the end of our year. I'm, I'm kind of glad it is, aren't you? Because it's a time of reflection. It's a time of thinking. It's a time we review. You know, now we're into the new year. We're coming into the new year. So, And it's really quick. It's, for, it's really easy for us to quickly set aside Christmas and now concentrate on the next holiday. Well, the wise men didn't have New Year's. They didn't have those kind of things. And no one knows exactly when Christ was born, but they know the day they saw the star. And they begin to look and concentrate on how to find Jesus. Look what the Bible says here. It says, they ask Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You know, no one's really sure how many wise men there are. I think the Magi. I mean, aren't you glad for the History Channel and A&E? Because now they confirm what your preacher's been saying for years. There may have been more than three. And now we believe the preacher because History Channel finally confirms it, you know. Well, thank you for catching up with the rest of us, History Channel, okay? No one knows how many 
Well, we get that from the gifts. You know that, Tim. Of course we get that from the gifts. And by the way, you know, three kings, we three kings of Oidar tried to smoke a rubber stick. I'm sorry, that's the wrong words there. You know that song, right? I can't remember the other part. But, but the, the idea of that, are they kings? No, they're just, they're just wise men. They're just wise. Oh, what makes them so wise? They're called wise because they're learners. That's why they're wise. They're students. They've not arrived. They're still looking. They're still searching. They want to know more about Christ. We know that these guys lived probably in Persia or had, and, and probably were influenced. They weren't Jewish. They were influenced, many believe, by Daniel and his school of prophets. You know, Daniel, when he was led into captivity, never left. He stayed. He stayed in the middle of... He could have went anywhere he wanted. And he said, no, I'm staying right here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring God into this place. He didn't bop around and move around. I'm going I'm to bring Christ, I'm going to bring God into where I am. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. Great thought, huh? And so he, he's, it's, it's because of his influence that these guys are looking at the stars. And I think it's just ironic to me that God uses a method to reach these guys that he would say never to use in the Old Testament. He'd say not to, be, not to go by the stars. Yet he would use a method that these guys could relate to. And just as a sidebar thought here, as a church, we need to think like that, that God may use something to reach this person they can relate to that I may not like. I may not understand, but God uses what they can relate to. And as a church, we need to be sensitive to our community. Think, how's God working with them? How can we bring them to Christ? And so these men see this star and they begin to look. You see, Christmas motivates them to look. You say, well, Tim, I've already found Christ. You mean you quit looking? Are you kidding me? You quit looking? The Bible says every good thing we have is in Christ. All spiritual blessings in Christ. You know all of them? Then you need to be preaching. I'm not even close to that. I'm still looking. There's a song. I Listen to this. On the way home... One of the stations had a song called, And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I'm like, and the world's, you know, I think, guys, I want you to know, even though you may have found Christ, I've studied with people who say, I've already found Christ, but they haven't looked anymore. They haven't changed anymore. They're still the same. And see, Christmas is about getting closer to God. Isn't that what God did? He came from heaven to earth. To get close to you and I, and it and it encourages a response. And you can either be like the wise men, or you can be like Herod. You can either get closer to God, be thrilled, or feel threatened, and separate yourself and distance yourself from Christ, and just have religion. You know, Herod was religious, but he wasn't right with God. So Christmas motivates these guys to look to seek. I want to ask you a question. What are you doing to find Jesus? What are you doing to get closer to Jesus? What's your plan? Is, is God trying to get you closer? And what is He using? I got thinking about all the things that God has used to get me closer to Him. And God will use His Bible. God will use His people. 
God will use consequences. God will use the Holy Spirit to draw me close, a little closer. I was talking to a former member. I see her every once in a while. And and as I was talking to her, she says, You know, Tim, I know I need to get back to church. You probably probably think that, don't you? I said, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not thinking that. I'm, if I do, it's only because I think that about me. That I need to get back to church every Sunday. And there's times I talk myself into coming, folks. That's the truth, man. I go, you know, I need to be here. You know, again, waking up this morning, I just feel like, blah, it's after Christmas, blah. You know, what do you do after Christmas? Blah, you sit around, blah. You know, and, and I'm thinking, oh, everybody's going to be feeling the same way. Probably a lot of people feeling that way. And I come to church, and who do I meet? I meet a couple of my brothers in Christ, and they're pumping me up. Get a hug, get a hug from someone, and all of a sudden I'm getting excited. Oh, you've had too much, too much coffee, Tim. No, I've had too much hugging, too much, too much talking, too much connection with and God's people, connecting with God's people. I need it today. How about you? Yeah. Look at the Bible says here in Amos five. Search for the Lord and live. That's what it promises. Search for the Lord and live. And I love Jeremiah 29, and you've heard this, this, uh, this uh, passage probably in Scripture many times. I love the way the, the New Century Version says it. When you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. And then God just tags at the end here, I will let you find me. I'm not going to hide from you, in other words. I'm not going to play hide and seek with you. Where are you, God? He's always right here. You know, he's not going to hide when you search for him. I've learned something else from this passage and from the wise men. I find what I'm looking for. You find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for this much of Jesus, guess what? You're going to find that much of Jesus. If you're looking for more of Jesus in your life, guess what? You're going to find more of Jesus. Let me ask you, what's guiding you to get closer to God? Now that the holiday, the day is over and it's after Christmas, is it motivating you to find a deeper relationship, a richer relationship with God? I Listen, one of our members said, Tim, I got through the daily Bible for the first time. I said, that's great. He goes, it took me five years. I went, that's awesome. He's been reading his daily Bible. You know, I have, I've just, I will have completed my fifth year of this daily Bible. And it's exciting for me personally because I remember when I didn't have any quiet times on a consistent, consistent level at all. But I got tired of it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get close to God if it kills me. And I learned something. It did kill some of me. It killed my selfishness to get close to God. But I found life. I found life as I get closer to God. I think about, you know, the first time I met my wife at, at the county fair, I know the exact longitude and latitude of that spot. That's a truth. I do. You say, that's when your life changed. What a woman. No, it was, she, as, as a young teenager, would tell me about Jesus, even though I was a churchgoer, 
She'd show me stuff I never saw before. God uses people. And by the way, if you think you can't influence others for Christ, a teenager, a farm girl from Bone Gap, population 125, 150, shared the gospel with me. It, it, it doesn't take a lot. What's God, is God using a person right now to nudge you closer? may not like what they have to say sometimes. I sure didn't like it when Denise would pound me with the Bible. Sometimes I'd look at it and go, what? You know, there's, I've had, there's been groups of people, small groups, discipleship groups of people that have, I have benefited and grown from. God puts them in our lives for that purpose. And they're designed to get us closer to God. What's your plan? What are you going to do after Christmas? It says here in Psalms 119, Happy are those who obey His decrees and search for Him with all their hearts. Now the holiday may be over, guys, but the search is still on. And I want to encourage you, let Christmas motivate you to start doing some things to get closer to the Lord. Number two, another thing about the wise men living wisely after Christmas, and I can learn from them, is I start giving Jesus my best. You can't help but notice that the wise men give their treasures. In fact, let's read this passage in in Matthew 2. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I noticed something, that when you worship God, it's easier to open your treasures to him. When Christ is first in your life, it's easier to open up the things that matter to you more than anything else. In fact, I believe when you open your treasures to the Lord, they become even more valuable. You, you see how really good they can be when you're able to give them. And what do they give? They open their treasures. You ever had anybody say this, or maybe you've said this, they get, you get a gift or somebody gets a gift and you can see it in their eyes like, what is this? And someone says, it's the thought that counts. It's the, and you say, yeah, I know. Right, what were they thinking? This is, what is this? It's the thought that counts. And it's true. It's the thought that counts. I've given gifts this year. I gave, I gave some gifts. I gave a gift to my wife. I thought she'd like it. I realized I liked it. Note to self, when you're giving a gift to someone, think of what they would like, not what you would like. Ah! <laughs> I didn't think I'd know this by now, but, you know, I'm a guy. So, hey, it's true. But, you know, and you look at the, you look at the treasures these guys gave, and it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think I heard a four-year-old one time say gold, frankenstein, and myrrh, and I don't know what... They get that, but, but you get the idea. They give these gifts, and, and, and the thoughts behind these gifts just say so much. They give gold. You only give that to a king. So they're saying, you're my king. You're the king of kings. Now, maybe they didn't know. It's possible they didn't know why they were giving these gifts. I think they had some forethought into it. There are wise men. They give gold, they give frankincense. What's that? That's stuff you offer at the temple. So they're saying to Jesus, you're to be worshipped. You're to be first and worshipped above everything else. 
And they give him this stuff, this ointment called myrrh. And what's it for? It's, myrrh was used to prepare a body after it died. They knew he was the Savior. So when they opened up these treasures, they say, these are ours, but we're giving them to you because they really are yours. This year, in 2014, our theme for this year, I'm yours, Lord. In fact, I think we're going to sing that song at the end of this service. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got. Everything I am and everything I'm not. And when these guys open up, this is their gold. Well, it's their frankincense. It's their myrrh. They're saying, but this is yours now, Lord. This is yours now. I learned a couple of things as I studied this out. My treasure makes, makes a statement too. The gifts I give to God make a statement. And I, I was listening to PBS this morning, and they were talking about a lady. They talked about how spending can get out of control. And during Christmas, people get, they spend more than they should. I think we said the average was like 800, almost $900, uh, the, av- a person, the average spending per person. They talked about a woman who spent $15,000 for a Disney vacation for her family. Fifteen grand. i am interested in adoption in that family. Huh? Fifteen grand she spent. And she said, I don't know how, it just got out of control. It got out of my hands. I don't know how it happened. And I couldn't help but think that, you know, during the Christmas, and this guy was a, a budgeting expert, a certified budgeting expert, and he was giving all this advice, you know, the do's and don'ts, keep within your budget, you know, make a list of the people you're going to give to so you can keep, keep control of it. And these wise men, you know what? They had no budget when it came to God. You hear me? They had no budget when it came to giving to God. They gave it all to Him. It all belonged to him. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people here, I know a lot of us here probably lost some control spending this year for Christmas. Have you ever lost control giving to the Lord? I'm not talking about just money. I want everything you have. Have you ever had, because I'll tell you what, I notice some of us here are very good at budgeting when it comes to giving to the Lord. We're lousy with everything else. Oh, how we control that. Amen. The wise men said, no, we're opening up our treasure chests. And I've learned something about, about this. And that is the tre- the, the, this idea of, of treasure can be anything. My treasure can be anything. And over the years, I've learned there's been some treasures that I've held on to a little longer than I should. My treasure sometimes can be my time. Just my time. This is mine. This is my time. God, you've got plenty of time. You're the Alpha and Omega. You don't need my time. So I'll keep my time. And I'll plan what I'm going to plan and do what I want. How is a person... How, do, how does a person... Find out about Jesus if a disciple doesn't give their time to it. How will they? 
Maybe it's my money or my my finances. I hold on to them. They can be my treasure. My spouse can be my treasure. My kids can be my treasure. What do you mean by treasure? It's everything I think of, I plan around, I, I, I talk about. They become this treasure in my life. It can be a habit. It can be a, a possession, a car, a home, an heirloom. Jesus said this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I know my treasure can be anything, and I also know this, my treasure chest is my heart. That's the second thing I realize. That my treasure can be anything, but my treasure chest, right here, my heart, what matters to me. And after Christmas, I need to open it to God. Why should I open my treasure to Jesus? Well, let me give you three reasons. One is, when I open my treasures, I honor God. When you open your treasures, what matters to you, and you say, Lord, you know what? I'm giving these to you. By the way, He'll make that treasure better when you do. And you honor God. Look at this passage in Malachi 1. People all around the world respect my name. All around the world, people bring good gifts to me. See the connection? Respecting His name, generosity, and, and, and honoring His name. They burn good incense as a gift to me. Why? Because my name is important to all those people. Guys, when you give your treasure, whatever it be, I don't know what it is for you this morning. All I can do is figure out what my treasure needs to be. But when you give your treasure to God, when you open it up and say, Lord, this is going to be yours, you're saying you are king. You're treating him like a king. That's the thought behind that. You're saying you are first. And you're also saying, I appreciate the grace that you give me. You saved my life. You saved me on the, by the cross. The second thing, I, when I open up my treasures to God is, when I open up my treasures, I bring salvation to others. When I open up my treasures, I bring salvation to others. You say, how's that? Well, technically speaking, it's believed that these gifts helped Mary and Joseph and Jesus get out of town and escape to Egypt. It saved their lives. And when you open up your gifts to God, you open up your treasures, the things that matter to you, and you say, Lord, you know, what do you want what would you have me do with them? That's when you're it's perfect time for you to be able to influence others for Christ. Look what the Bible says about the generosity of a church in Corinth. You will honor God through this genuine act of service because of your commitment to spread the good news of Christ and because of your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. What's he saying? He says, because of your generosity, people hear the gospel. Because, again, I'm not talking about money in the plate, folks. I'm talking about when I give my time, my service, when I, when I, get, when I give up my plans to, re, to help somebody else. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Christmas will interrupt your life. It was, it was designed to interrupt life. And it will interrupt your life constantly, but it is so worth it. To see someone brought to Christ because you gave up an hour, you opened up an hour of your life to the Lord, you opened up, yes, your pocketbook, 
but your schedule book. You opened up your heart to somebody. You talked about life, your life, and how it's changed. It just... It, it brings salvation to others. And when I open up my treasures to Jesus, God blesses my life. Even Jesus said these words, more blessings come from giving than receiving. Now, yes, I get, I'm blessed when I get something. But I'll tell you what, even this Christmas, you know, Denise and I said we're not going to buy much for each other. And we focused on giving to others. And it was so cool. There is a blessing that happens that I don't receive any other way until I'm generous. And I want, I want to encourage you to not let the Christmas, as, as the Christmas season changes and we transition into a new year, that you don't let the essence of opening your treasures die with it. That you carry it with you into the next year. Number three, what, what else can I learn from the wise men? I can start heading in a new direction. Christmas is about change. Even after Christmas, change is occurring. What needs to change? What would you like to change in your life? What's some new direction you'd like to go in? Christmas can help you do this. Look what happens to these guys. God warned them. God speaks to them and changes the direction in their life. God warns the the wise men in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they went home to their own country by a different way. They went home another way. He changed their direction. He points them in another direction so they can get home. Guys, Jesus came to this earth so you could get home. So you could get where you belong. Home. Home in heaven. It's it's eternal. It's not a one-time deal. It's eternal. And that's, that's a message you need to carry with you. What direction do you think you're heading? See, to me, again, Christmas is tagged on the end of the year for a reason. For a reason. It is a time to reflect and think, where am I going with my life? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? I ask you a question. Will you make it home based on the direction you're heading in right now? Can you say, I'm going to make it home, Tim? Because Christmas changed the lives of these guys and God wants to change the direction of your life. That's why He came. He changed. He made a detour so He could change your life. I got to thinking, what would I like to change? Is there an attitude I'd like to change? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? Is there an attitude you'd like to change? A habit? Oh, man. I would love to change some habits I have. Bad habits. What's he want, what habit do you think he wants you to change? Is there a relationship he wants you to change? The way you manage your money is He want you to change that. How you, how you schedule your time. You know, there are some people that believe that when you reach a certain age, you don't change. You can't change. And I don't buy into that. The Bible makes a promise to you and I 
that God will, wants to change you and can change you. If you've got something you're wanting to change, let me tell you, God makes that possible. The power of God makes that possible. There's lots of scriptures, lots of scriptures that talk about how God wants to take and transform a desert into a meadow with streams of water. He wants to radically change things in your life. Here, let me give you a few. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a, that's a scripture before Christmas. It's a prophecy. And God says, I want to give you a new heart, a new spirit, something different. And look what the Bible says after Christmas, it says here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. What's something that needs to go? That's just old. Guys, here's what, here's what I'm talking about. You know, what happens is here comes the Christmas season and, you know, Andy Williams and everybody else is singing, Blue Blay or whatever, you know. You get all the specials, Rudolph, Santa, the kids, you know. Lots of stuff happening. Lots of, you know, lights and sales, Galleria, you, you know, you're everywhere. You eat and eat and eat and eat. Yeah. And then it's over. Then, then it's, it's over. And that's not what Christmas was designed to be in the first place. That it was going to be over after the day. God wants to change you. I was thinking about this, this holiday season just going all the stuff that's happening and it's easy to put away it's easy to put away my focus in the box of lights and god says no 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 don't tim don't miss this i want to give you something new a new heart a new direction What I'm saying to you is this. After Christmas is over, we talk about, oh, now things will go back to, oh! Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what we say? We think, oh, now things can go back to normal. And John, you're not supposed to be back to normal. Christmas isn't about that. Going back to normal, it's about going forward. Going forward and growing and do it, going in another direction, a new direction. Carving out, taking, taking land or places or things that you've never been. Starting new habits. New, having new values, not staying the same, not going back to normal. I hope you're not going back to normal. I hope that's not your plan because that wasn't the plan. When Christ came, everything really changed, didn't it? So what makes you think just because Christmas is over that you're done and over? Well, you're, there's plenty, plenty to do. 
The old is gone. The new has come. In other words, no more normal. It doesn't have to be normal. You don't have to go back to that habit, go back to that attitude. You don't have to go back to that, to that purpose that gets you nowhere. That plan that just seems to revolve every year. It can be different this time. Look at it says here. We were buried with Him through baptism and a death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I want to say to you, as those of you who are Christians, and you've been baptized and you think about, you know, I was buried with Christ and you, you go, I found Him. You, are you done? Are you done? No. Please don't be done. Don't be through. There's more to develop, more to grow and become like Christ. There's more, to, more maturity ahead for you. And if you're, if you're not a Christian, I want to say to you, you know, why not just look at this idea of a new direction for your life? A, a new way of living. A new way of thinking. I love the Lord's Supper today. That just by bringing the name of Jesus into my life, and I so you mean by the name of Jesus, I'm not talking about, thank you, Jesus, you know, calling his name like that. No. I'm talking about bringing his impact, the King of Kings, into your life, surrendering to him, worshiping him, obeying him. It will completely turn your life around, it'll change so many things for the better. For the better. It's a new life. I have three questions as we close this morning. As we, as we experience after Christmas. First question I want you to ask yourself is, what will I do to get closer to God? What will you do to get closer to God? That's your business, not my business. That's your business. Let the wise men encourage you. What will you do personally to get closer to God? Is it Bible study? Is it prayer? Is it, is it getting with other Christians, connecting more with the body, with the church here? What will I do to get closer to God? Number, question number two, what treasure will I give to God? What's the treasure? What's the thing that I'm holding up too tightly to and I, and I need to lose my budget on and just let God have it? It's sacred right now. Is it my time? Is it my possessions? Is it myself? Is it an emotion? What treasure will I give to God? Is it my kids? Very early on in my life, I held my two boys up in the sky just like roots, Kunta Kinte, all that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I said, Lord, this boy is yours. I'm not going to let this boy, I'm not surrendering this boy to Satan in this world. He's yours. It hasn't been easy. Now I have two granddaughters. You know, I couldn't tell you last week about Nora, Nora Jean, but she, she came to the world in the 16th. And, and here I've got two granddaughters now, and I'm watching my boys, and their, their eyes dance when they look at their, their daughters. And I know they're thinking, and I don't want 
these girls to grow up without the Lord. You have to make hard decisions when you do that kind of stuff, guys, when you make a commitment like that. Because family gets in the way, and self gets in the way. Sometimes grandparents get in the way. Somebody says, you're going to spoil your kids, your grandkids, aren't you? I'll tell you what I'm after. Spiritual champions is what I'm after. That's what I want. If I can spoil them with Jesus, so be it. But what, what, what treasure do you need to surrender and really trust the Lord with? Because when you let go of it, then you're saying, you're king, you're in charge, I trust you. But if you've got your grubby hand still on it, guess what? You don't trust him. What treasure will I give to God? And what's, here's the third question. What's my new direction? Where does God want to take me this, this time, this year? What's the new direction that lies before me? I mean, he's been working on you. Just like those wise men, he, he warned them in a dream. He's been talking to you in some form, some way. What's the new direction? Is it to become a Christian? Is it to, to start serving more? Is that, is that what it's about? Is it about finding ministry and start serving others? Is it a habit? He says, you know what? It's time for you to finally deal with this habit that nobody knows about. It's time to get it out and get it out. What are you going to do after Christmas? It matters. You have a card in your bulletin and it simply is a card of, to respond with. And in that, on that card is a, a prayer request and... and um, You'll notice here it's got things like, uh, it's got stuff like, I'd like help with at the bottom, money management, abuse, divorce, marriage, grief, or addiction. Or maybe you'd like some information about how to grow in your relationship with God or how to join this church or what's, what's going on with, you know, for my kids. We ha- I want to tell you something, guys. I, I like our children's ministry. We've got some people in there that are sacrificial when it comes to, to your kids. And some of them don't even have their kids in there. They're not there because, well, I better be back here because my kids are. They're there because they just love to serve you, serve the Lord, serve children. We have a teen ministry, a junior high and high school ministry here, you know, that, that, are, that are trying to help people be serious disciples, man. Maybe there's something like that. You know, what's your decision today? I'd like to, I'd like to know a little bit more. I, I, I'd like a personal Bible study. Why not check that box? Or, you know what, Tim, I've been studied with. I've been thinking about this. I want to be baptized. Well, why not check that? Let somebody help you uh, get that done. Maybe you're just wanting to renew your commitment to Christ. Here we are at the end of the year, and you're going, you know what, Tim, I want to renew my commitment to Christ. I want it, I want it to be different. Or maybe you've got a prayer request or a comment you'd just like to make on this card. Where do these cards go, Tim? We take these cards, we collect these cards up with our contribution. And by the way, if you're a guest, you're under no obligation to give. But we take up these cards along with the contribution at the end of this service, and then these cards are sort of just put in random piles and given to people on our prayer team to pray about. They pray about, they pray about it. Especially, and if you, might, if you mark confidential, they only go to the shepherds, the elders of this church. 
We figure if, you, if you're that private about it, you know your, your first step is maybe just trying to get it out off your chest. There's something I need to talk about. We'd hope you'd like to sit down and talk about it sometime too. But when it's confidential, it doesn't go, not everybody knows what's going on. Not everybody likes and wants anybody to know. By the way, I, even with the prayer cards, generally speaking, they're given to certain people and they just pray and they talk to God about it and they don't call each other going, Oh my God, did you hear what he did? Look what she did. You know, hit the panic button and there's this panic alarm goes off. No, it doesn't work that way. You do, you, we believe you put these comments down and these prayer requests down because you want us to pray for you, not gossip about you. Okay? And so, take advantage of this. Now, if you're saying, I'm writing this down, and you're going to treat this like Facebook, what do you mean by like treat like Facebook? I'm going to say something crazy, and that way they'll call on me. Why don't you just say, would somebody talk to me about this? That will help us. Just write down, I would like to talk to somebody about this. And we'll make sure you do. We'll help you. But we're not going to be on spreading around, hey, did you hear what she did or he did or what they did over Christmas? Oh, my not what it's about. It's about prayer. And it's about change. It's about encouragement. We're going to give you a moment to do that. And I hope that, again, this, this season doesn't die as you box up your lights and put away your trees, guys. But you'll let Christmas motivate you to search for the Lord. To open up those treasures. Father, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Christmas, Lord. It is a, it's a heads up. Father, as Christians, we really pay attention to it. But I've got to admit, sometimes, Lord, we, we get caught up in Santa more than Jesus. That we get caught up in the good feelings. You know, we, we, we get caught up and we need a little Christmas now. And Lord, I, I pray that we'll, it won't be just the spirit of joy and love and getting with family that we don't let it rest there, but we see also that your Son came to this earth to make a difference in our life, Lord. So Father, I pray for those of us here, Christmas isn't always easy for people. There's some of us here, it's, it's, it's a difficult time. It's, yeah, it's time to be with family, and sometimes that can be tough. But sometimes it's reminded of those that aren't here. Father, I pray you give the people in this room that experience Christmas this way, especially this past Christmas here we just had, You'll give them great comfort with your presence. Let them know they're dearly loved by you. Use another Christian. Use your Holy Spirit. Whatever you've got to do, Lord. But I pray that, that, that you'll help us be, the rest of us here, Father, that um, it's not that Christmas is hard but in that sense, but it's distracting in one way. We get, we get off task. We forget it's about you. And we get into the, to all the other things that Christmas is. Not that it's bad, Lord. It's just sometimes it can be a little too much. So help us concentrate on glorifying you and honoring you, thinking of others, Father, but not just what they need for Christmas, what they need for their life. Lord, we pray that you'll help us all here see that you want to take us in a new direction. I don't know what that means, Lord. Not completely for everybody here, but I know it leads to something much better. It ultimately leads to being home with you. Grant that, Lord. Grant everybody here great peace, great joy, because they know your Son Jesus, who's with them all year long.
pray in Christ's name. Amen.